This is the Studio Alchemy Podcast, episode 87, Transformational Dreams, with my friend Teresa Vasquez. Quote of the day. Our quote of the day was said by Robert Moss. He wrote, everything that enters our field of perception means something, large or small. Everything speaks to us. If we will take off our headphones and hear a different soundtrack, everything corresponds. We travel better in the forest of symbols when we are open and available to all the forms of meaning that are watching and waiting for us. Hello, everyone. The purpose of this podcast is to explore creative ways to transform our lives using visualization, manifestation, art making, and new age self-help techniques. Alchemy was the ancient study of changing materials from one thing into another, and we all do this every day. Every choice you make is transforming our world. On this podcast, we explore ways we can change both our physical and spiritual selves for the better. On this podcast, we hunt for the wise balance between accepting what is and taking empowered action. My name is Addie Hirschton. I am an artist. I sign my paintings with the name Vita. I teach online creativity classes and have written a few books, including The Alchemy of Painting, Developing Your Style and Purpose, and my new book that was recorded for Audible, Start Selling Your Art, A Guide for Starting a Professional Art Business. When this podcast first started, it was to share just stories about artists and was called the Alchemy of Art Podcast. Now we are the Studio Alchemy Podcast and have expanded our topics of discussion to include ways that everyone can harness their creative energy. To find out more about my projects, uh, find out about upcoming classes, sign up for my newsletter, I invite you to go to my website, studioalchemy.art. Now for our topic of the day, I'm going to share with you a chat that I had with my beloved friend, Teresa Vasquez. Teresa is a painter, an art teacher, and a dream midwife, which is kind of like being a dream coach. You can visit her website um, to find out more about her work and view her latest pieces. I will link to both her website and her portfolio site in the show notes. And now, without further ado, here is my third interview with Teresa Vasquez. Teresa Vasquez, welcome to the show for the third time. Um, tell us a little bit about your artwork and where people can find your current pieces. Uh, give us an update. Well, Addie, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm excited to be with you again. I call myself a an artist, writer, dream midwife, and educator. And my current work centers around uh, kind of the COVID pandemic. Like the work that I've been doing most recently is entitled hashtag antibody. And the whole idea is dreaming about how the antibodies against COVID provide us our defenses. And particularly I was thinking about when there weren't other kinds of treatments for COVID, like before the vaccine, before other kinds of treatments, 
that were developed. So very early on in the pandemic, this series emerged. My work is primarily uh, using different kinds of inks, primarily alcohol ink, and then hand embellishment. The work is very brightly colored with really delicate line work and uh, kind of real circular motifs because the, the mark that ink makes naturally is circular, essentially. So I also do dream work. I call myself a dream midwife. And so much of my work is influenced by dreams that I have had and by, in some cases, dreams that others have had. And I try hard to take the feeling tone from a particular dream, sometimes characters from dreams, sometimes different symbols and motifs that are there, and to bring them to um, a canvas or, you know, a, a piece of, of paper, substrate of some kind. And so the, the subject is often related to dreaming, but also the process is very much like dreaming in that things unfold and that there are surprises that we don't necessarily know are going to be there when, you know, when I'm starting a piece, there's always surprises. And part of my work then is to reveal those images that, that spontaneously appear. Great. So for those who aren't familiar with it, how would you describe the conscious mind versus the unconscious mind? <laughs> Big question. <laughs> All right. Well, the conscious mind versus the unconscious mind. So in talking, for example, about the process of a piece revealing itself, there are some conscious processes, right? There's the ideas that I want to express that, that are a part of my thought process, but then there are all the things that kind of come out in the process. And I see those as being very akin to the unconscious. Um, and in our own lives and our own thinking and our own ideas, oftentimes there's kind of the conscious things that are happening. A lot of these are like everyday uh, things, things that we need to get done, tasks that we need to complete, and so forth. Uh, also, you know, opinions, thoughts, all of those kinds of things. But there's always an undercurrent, in my view, of, let's say, what is in the air. Sometimes it can be called the zeitgeist, or it can be called the... Um, the subconscious as well. But there, there are things that all of us kind of 
are immersed in and are surrounded by psychologically or mentally, I guess you could say, that that influence us without our knowledge, you know. And so a lot of processes that take place, I, I believe uh, my experience tells me that they have the potential to emerge to the surface, but that that usually happens, for me, it usually happens in the process of doing something else. Like a great example would be in the shower. In the shower, we have lots of things that kind of bubble up, you know, and I have my own ideas about, you know, is that because we're in, we're in water or is it because... Uh, we're just having some quiet time in a small space and are able to allow those things to bubble up. But oftentimes we have our best ideas or really wonderful ideas in the shower or while you're washing dishes or while you're mowing the lawn and different things like that. So, or taking a walk, you know. Uh, so sometimes those those unconscious thoughts, images, ideas come up when we are engaged in some other activity. I think psychologically for a lot of us, uh, we're, we're able to engage with those ideas. Some of them are scary. Some of them are really challenging to our kind of status quo. And maybe that is why they are unconscious in the first place because you know being a you know a good person or a um, a person who upholds the status quo of a of a religion or of a society or of a political belief system or whatever it is we're not necessarily always wanting to engage with those things but yet they they bubble up and then we have to deal with them and i believe that they come up when oftentimes not always when we're ready to deal with them when we're ready to engage those ideas so that's that's kind of how i see it i mean there's many others i mean you know carl jung always comes to mind you know in terms of uh the collective unconscious and in the collective unconscious there is this it's kind of like the the water that fish swim in or the air that we breathe it's something that we are all immersed in we all have access to but only in kind of special situations and uh, things like dreams things like uh visions, daydreams, whatever you want to call them, ruminations, those all give us access to that. Awesome. Yeah, I feel I'd want to add that um, a lot of the work that we do, whether it's when Teresa and I get together, we always uh, analyze dreams together. <laughs> um, so, you know, if we're analyzing a nighttime dream, part of the work of that for me is to get at those unconscious 
thoughts and feelings because if we can bring them to the surface, then we can look at them in the light of day, see the truth of them, and then really heal and grow old wounds and all kinds of things. Um, and there's a lot of different artwork and art movements like the Surrealist movement where they were specifically trying to pull the unconscious mind forward with certain exercises and and things um, so that they could they could learn more about their true nature and a lot of that work stemmed from you know psychology and Carl Jung and and different um, thoughts of that time period mm -hmm. right yeah. so um, okay well let me get to my next question unless you have something to add well, I would just I would just add to that. I think what you're saying is really important that that artists, particularly in the 20th century and into the 21st, have been really trying to get to that unconscious in a variety of different ways with different tricks or different techniques. And that Freud, you know, we talk about Jung these days a lot. We sometimes forget Freud, but the you know, big influence, I think, was was Freud for for a lot of those surrealists in that he was putting forth a lot of these ideas. And frankly, uh, I think we've kind of moved away from the idea that everything, for example, in a dream symbolizes sex or death, you know, which was really something that Freud was more stuck on. And I think that Jung's work kind of opened that up more so that we're looking at what particular symbols and um, images and messages have to do with our own personal experience and how that um, mimics or echoes that of other people in similar ways. Yeah, I, I learned recently that... Um the guy who came up with the term unconscious, his name was Karras, and um, he was a, a doctor, a medical doctor and an artist, and it was like 1850 or so that he, but he coined that term. Um, the term archetype is much older, and that leads me to my next question. <laughs> you know, one major concept of dream analysis is this idea of archetypal images or sometimes called universal images. How would you describe an archetype? And perhaps you can give one example. Yeah. So archetypes, it's a, um, you know, it's a big word and intimidating to, to some, I would, I would say, but really very simply an archetype is some kind of an image or a topic or uh, something that comes up again and again and again. And it can take the shape, for example, of characters in storytelling, um, whether it's, you know, north, south, east, or west on the planet, there are certain types of characters that we find in stories. We will find oftentimes the hero or the heroine. And when you hear the word hero, or heroin, you immediately get a picture in your mind. It may not be exactly the same picture that I get in my mind or that you get, Addie, in your mind, but we all understand at a certain point after we've heard, 
you know, story after story, we have a sense of what a, a hero or a heroine is. We also have the archetype, for example, of the trickster, you know, and that takes many different shapes and uh, in literature, you know, in some cultures it can be the coyote and in other uh, cultures it can be, um, you know, a different kind of an animal. But there are certain animals, for example, certain people, for example, jesters or clowns you know, that, that tend to have that kind of trickster energy. So that's, I guess, a couple of, of examples of archetypes, but this certainly also works visually in art. And we see a variety of different symbols that can be hallmarks for, uh, for archetypes of, of different kinds, but it, it is a universal phenomenon that has a very personal imprint, I guess I would say, because all of us experience archetypes, whether we know it or not. And it's only in looking at the personal in relation to the collective that we can say, oh yeah, that's an, that's an archetype. So dreams can be transformational. Yes. And they can help you make decisions. That's when I like them best is when they can help me make decisions. Uh, what is one transformational dream you have had and how did it help you? Well, Addie, that is a, that is a really rich question. And there are several examples that I can think of. But the one that I want to talk about is one that was really instrumental for me in terms of my own engagement with making art. So I had this dream where I was walking in the neighborhood, uh, not too far from my house, about a mile away, near where a friend of mine used to live. And... I walk into this house, the house is empty, and in the house is the mother of my friend, and uh, the mother of my friend uh, was deceased, and she I had never gotten to meet her, but what we had in common was our birthday, we had the same birthday, yeah. And I recognized her right away. I could name her, but I'm not going to. And she was very, very tall, very slender, kind of lantern-jawed. She did not look healthy or well. She also looked like she was very upset, like angry. And she, she just stared at me like with this intensity, and she said, "'Where is the water?' and I you know and and it was that was pretty much the whole dream like she came in and she's like where's the water and you know I get up from that and I'm like oh my god what am I gonna do with this dream you know this is this is 
just really weird. And, and it was very emotionally charged. I mean, such a brief dream, but you know, someone who's deceased, who is the mother of one of my close friends, uh, in the general location of where she lives. And, you know, what, what do I do? I, I go and talk to my friend. I say, you know, I saw your mom in, in this dream last night. And, so, okay, so looking at the dream, you know, water, if we think about water, water would be something that could be an archetype for sure. Um, so we think of water in different ways. Water can be nourishing, water can be kind of a, a symbol of, of life. You know, we think of springs, we think of rivers, oceans, uh, all of these different kinds of water, the water that we drink and all of this. So water is, is vital to life. It's absolutely necessary for life. If you are dehydrated or if you are, um, you know, if you have a drought, then life cannot, you know, continue. And, you know, in the dream, she seemed like she was having a, a drought of a certain kind. And as a matter of fact, I was having a drought of a certain kind. I was having a creative drought in my life. Okay. So, you know, I had studied art. I had studied writing. And then, you know, life kind of got in the way and I wasn't producing any art. I wasn't really writing much more than just journaling in my journal and so after really looking at the dream, thinking about uh, my mother's friend who was also an artist and from what I understand was not able to really realize her art fully during her lifetime. Like she made some really wonderful strides and, and really excellent work, but she was never able to really fully realize it in, in the way that she would have liked so as, as, as I did, as, as, you know, others that I know do, we got together and we did some dream theater around this dream and dream theater is a practice where you reenact a dream with the characters, with the environment, with any important objects that are in the dream and each person kind of enacts a different character or um you know object that's in the dream and so we went ahead and did this and so that gives you a certain amount of information and you can uh you can kind of interview the the people acting as as the as the different characters and objects which also gives you kind of some additional information. And then what we did was we dreamed this dream forward. Like what would happen if the water were to, to come about? Like where is the water? Where, where is the water? And so in the dream, you know, I kind of go around this empty space and wherever I 
where wherever I point and and focus my gaze, then like a a, a geyser kind of comes oh. up, like out of the out of the floor and you know and this is happening and it's wild because it's kind of magical I'm like looking around and you know geyser after geyser is shooting out of of the uh, floor and so the the water comes and the water is there it's just and the water is something that I end up having control over where where it comes up and that it does come up and so, you know, it's a very powerful practice because that way um, it, it became kind of like the narrative, the story that represented my own uh, creative renaissance, if you will. Okay. So I come to find out later that there is a story in... Yoruba cosmology where there is a goddess who wherever she wherever she places her gaze wherever she um, puts her focus then water emerges you know and that she she is able to create the you know the waters that 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 flow the waters of creativity the waters of life and all of these things, um, and she has that power. And so, you know, come to find that that truly it is an archetype that even though I was not familiar with the story, it was coming up through my dreams and, and even in the practice of dreaming a dream beyond like the, the, the nighttime situation of dreaming and that's I think one of the powers of of dream work is that it does happen like I like to say asleep awake and in between you know oh. we are dreaming potentially all the time and if we see you know images symbols uh, archetypes different things within our environment all of it can can inform our life and our decision making and your question was specifically about decision making it really gave me a conviction that that uh, making art was crucial to to hydrating my soul in a way you know that that was what was going to feed and and replenish my my own soul and it truly has been that way for me and I'm so grateful for, for dreams of this kind and for the dream work practices that, that I have uh, been able to, to share with others. And I will mention the name of uh, Robert Moss, um, a teacher to both myself and, and Addie, who uh, with his active dreaming and much of his writing has, has really elaborated all kinds of processes that we can engage in to make the most of our dreams. Great. Wonderful, wonderful, rich. Uh, you said it was a rich question, I think, and it was a rich answer. <laughs> um, I'm writing a book on symbols. What is one of your favorite symbols and why? Yeah, Addie, I'm really excited about your new book. And I think 
the world of symbols is just so, so broad and so deep and really gets to a lot of these ideas of archetypes and um, dreaming. Many times we have, we have dreams that, that have potent symbols. And for me, a symbol that is really important is the spiral the idea of a spiral. And I don't know, I guess in my 20s or so, the spiral became very important. The whole idea that we uh, that we go around, I mean, that there is that there's a cyclical nature. So, you know, part of it is is the circular nature of reality. So we can think of things like the seasons, you know, we can think of, you know, the years of life, we can think of the life cycle, all of those things are circular. But they also spiral. So there's certain things that we I mean, we say, now a days all the time, you know, I want to circle back to this or that, you know, sometimes when we're having conversations. And we we go back to things oftentimes because we didn't get everything that we wanted or needed to from it. And so for me the spiral it's it's working in two dimensions kind of as a circle but it's also working in a third dimension which we can think of as as you know rising up or um, moving outwards or, you know, you can think of it in a variety of ways, but it, it expands, a uh, spiral is expansive and it, it grows, you know, it starts in the middle and it, it kind of comes outward and there's, there's that, that extra dimension. And it's funny because in like in education, you know, we talk about things like, scaffolding or spiraling the whole idea that we want to come back again and again to the same idea so that we can build our knowledge um you know to be to be more and more expansive so the idea of spiraling also makes a lot of sense for example when you're learning a language you don't you don't just learn one time okay this is this is the verb to be or whatever, you keep coming back to that verb and you keep learning more and you might start with, well, you will, will start usually at the present tense, but okay, so this is the past tense and this is the future tense and this is the conditional, you know, mood and this is the subjunctive, you know, so, so you don't just learn, um, you know, once and you're done, you, you keep coming back to that concept and the same is true in, you know, math or science or, you know, any topic, certainly art and creativity, we come back to the same ideas again and again. And the spiral is is the same way to me. And it's also just a very beautiful uh, shape, the way that I, you know, look at it. And there are many um, objects, animals, plants, and other things in nature that have the spiral motif. I think of uh, of shells, of animals with shells, of snails. I think of 
um, certain flowers that that have kind of spiral patterns in them, like morning glories come to mind. Um, you know, I think about the stars even, even though we don't see necessarily a spiral in all of them, when we look at, you know, those huge pictures that come from the Hubble um, telescope, for example, we see that there are spiral patterns, you know, within the the galaxies or the nebulas and different things like that. So it's a it's like a cosmic pattern that manifests in a variety of ways and also has a kind of a graphic, you know, image that we're familiar with. So I'm all about spirals. <laughs> awesome. Great. Yes. Well, may we spiral back uh, together again <laughs> and <laughs> may the con- conversation continue into the future as I'm sure it will. Um, thank you, Teresa, for, for coming on the show. <laughs> Thanks, Addie. It's always a delight to spend time with you and and have these conversations. This concludes the Studio Alchemy podcast. May these thoughts and stories comfort and heal your spirit. May you be filled with inspiration. May you be like the lotus flower and build your home in the muddy water. May you find your voice.